0: I preached on this topic about two years ago, um, and I'm very excited to be back here. Um, It's a great passion of mine, and the journey we've been on this last uh, month or so um, is now leading us here. If you've missed the sermons um, that's been going around the last while, would you please make sure that you do respond to them um, We're Trusting God to Shift our culture, to be one that really seeks to follow Jesus. Um, one of the areas that we probably spend the most time of our lives in is at work. And I've often found that when uh, I engage people in this, in this, in this space and you ask them, can you tell me what your theology of work is? Well, how do you see work from a biblical perspective? we often find that most Christians do not have an adequate theology of work. Um, So we are going to attempt to explore theology of work so that we can have an adequate way of making sense of our 8 to 5 as we follow Jesus. Um, I used to, uh, my previous uh, 8 to 5, was as an industrial psychologist. I still consult in that Right now, and one of the areas that we specialize in and have to get signed off in is career guidance, career um, counselling. It's something I am very passionate about, and something I believe the Lord has been working in me. Um, Yeah, He's been He's been, I believe, showing me a kingdom-based career guidance model that we can apply to our careers and other areas of life um, that works against the agenda this world has and that really ushers in um, just a sense of kingdom in what we do with our lives. So we're going to be speaking about about that this morning. We've realized that there's a lot of things that you have, a lot of people have a theology about speaking in um, tongues or about baptism or this or that but about work the thing we do the most do you have do you have an adequate theology that actually actually guides you in why you do what you do and how you do that that's that's going to be cool i'm very excited for this um so to start off i'm going to just do a two-slide recap of where we've been but um, whenever we speak about things like this, about doing, then we need to first just anchor ourselves in the gospel always. Remember Ephesians two: it's not by your own doing that you were saved. You are not doing things for God to be accepted by God. you're doing them because you have been accepted by God, and you're made into His image, and his image His image does a lot of a, a, a lot of stuff and requires a lot of stuff from us and he guides us in that so we have by have been saved by grace for good works to be completely free from guilt and shame i sense that while we were singing earlier when that came up completely free from guilt or shame those are the strongest negative emotions there are and you need to make sure that you get rid of them that's just a side note if you're experiencing guilt or shame run to the cross of jesus and do an exchange there all right we shouldn't live with them completely free but greatly convicted because the moment we get stuck in some guilt or shame we we feel that any conviction almost hurts us because it kind of jabs into that space where we don't want to go because we feel so we we easily feel guilty or ashamed and then if the lord brings conviction we experience it as shame or guilt so we need to deal with shame and guilt so that we can receive conviction from the lord and grow in him because conviction is beautiful um and as I've said, there is no condemnation, but there is a great invitation to follow him into adventure and life in abundance. Amen. Um, we, uh, I was much more animated when I was preaching on this, but uh, we said that choosing lifestyle is choosing spiritual death. Uh, Matthew 16, that says, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That we do not determine the way we want to live, but that he's the one that leads us. And he leads us for his name's sake? Yes, but he leads us. He's the only one that can lead us beside still waters, where there's rest for our souls. All right? So we follow him. We follow crucify that which we think we want and we go for him Um, if that means if that means a horrible life on earth and eternity in glory then that's fine if that means a lot of blessings on earth and eternity with glory then that's fine as well as long as we stay rooted and grounded in him so we're going to apply this to career and if we would apply this to career maybe let me make a shocking statement and let's say this slide was in the the one I did two years ago. When it comes to career aspirations and personal aspirations and future planning, we have to crucify it. We have to crucify it. You see, God can lead you in a career that at the end of the day can look like a career that someone pursued. He can also lead you in a way that would not look like a career that someone would have pursued. He can lead you in a way where he would want you to be in a job that would, that would actually pay double what you earn right now, and he would want, sometimes want you to be in a job that pays half. The, the heart we're contending for is the one that says, both of those looks equally attractive to me. Like Paul said, having much or little, I'm content in him. Both of those looks equally appealing to me. I want to follow Christ because there lies my joy. Can we just evaluate our hearts on that? Can you just evaluate your heart on that? We're not going to speak about money today, but work definitely touches it. We will speak about money i'm super excited to speak about money as well but we we need to make sure these things are crucified because he knows our future can plan it much better he knows what he has called us for and as and, and and we need to make sure that we're seeking him to find it so what does life then look like this is so simple and so amazing jesus says my sheep listen to my voice the niv says listen some other translation says "hear." so obviously that word means not only to hear but to also do action my sheep listen to my voice i know them and they follow me that's what jesus is saying his church responds and says the lord is my shepherd i lack nothing that's beautiful Jesus says, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And we say, Lord, you are our shepherd. We lack nothing. And as nice and beautiful as that and romantic as that sounds, there's an actual practical following that's implied there where our lives are surrendered to his will. The greatest thing we can do with our free will is to surrender it to his will. That's 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 the love we can offer to him. So then we came to this um, conclusion where we said, all right, so, so let's look at the mission we have in the Lord and let's explore some of that because it isn't a blank page as such. There's a lot of things that he has already said that we should walk in. A lot of things his word already guides us in. So we basically broke it down to saying, Um, what you should do uh, or or should be linked to who you are. So there are parts of who we are that is clear from Scripture that we should investigate and explore further. And you can summarize it in many different ways, but we firstly said you are a member of the church and therefore have a function in the church. And we've explored that for a while now, and I believe God stirred many of your hearts in that because we are on a limp without what you need to bring to the body we explored that then what we're going to start moving into all the more now is you are jesus doesn't say be a light to the world he said you are a light to the world it's identity thing you are a light to the world so when you go to work you are a light to the world one of the things first identity things that the father spoke over me way back 10, 15 years ago was one morning he told me, whenever you walk into a room, the lights go on. I thought that was rather special, but he was just rephrasing what he said in Matthew 5. You are the light to the world. (laughs) I'm not that special, but that's what he speaks over us. Are you with me? I am that special because he made me that special. So, light to the world, that's where we're now. And a big part of where we are a light to the world is the world of work. We're going to explore that this morning. Um, it's so much more than just smiling at people at work and being nice and try to be a little bit more nice and patient at work. It's more than that. Okay, being... a a lie to the world is often just associated with just, you know, being more nice at work and sometimes saying something about Jesus. So Let's, let's, let's start at the beginning. Are you ready? Let's explore the theology of work. John 5 verse 17 says, In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work. Many of us had fathers like that, right? Jesus also did. My father is always at his work to this very day. And even, and I too am working. Now, I was wondering whether I should make the comparison to your fathers or to you being a father and working, because there's a justification in that there's a way to work which would be more more godly. But if your child child says, my father, I know my father works a lot and hard. That would be a good thing. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is working to this very day. And I too am working now. In whose image are we made? In his image. Would we work? Yes, absolutely. Let's read Genesis 1 verse 27 to 28. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. So amazing that uh, neither male nor female give full expression to who his image who he is and who what his image is. But male and female he created them. God blessed them. And said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Do you think to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground is a little task? That's a big work. God blessed them and said these things. He blessed them. And said, I'm going to give you work. Work is supposed to be a blessing. And for some of you that feels like, what? Really? I thought there was going to be an easy way out. There is. Wait for it. (laughs) Work is a blessing. because we work in his image, because he's working. So there must be something there. Genesis 2, verse 17, um, just to make this a little bit more practical also, but uh, to to continue the thought. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So, So there's another instruction just after. So in this, the perfect world that was just created to be amazing and heavenly, work was the first thing that was given to man as a blessing. And one of the first works that he had to do was to be a gardener. What are the kind of work that you think would be things that he would give you to do? Missionary work, pastor's work? Maybe gardening. He's challenging our perspectives. I hope you're challenging your perspective already. So now, uh, a lot of the times I would have conversations with people about this. I'd ask them, so where do you think work came from? It's an easier question than to ask them about what is your theology of work because then most people say, What's, what do you mean? But wh- where does work came from? And a lot of people would say from the curse. Let's say, "Oh, because of the curse. I remember the curse where they said, you shall eat by the sweat of your brow. You shall work hard and it will be difficult that's where we come from and i relate to that because that's how it feels to me sometimes as well so what about that scripture that says that he who hangs on a tree is is a curse to all what about the fact that we know that he became a curse for us to remove the curse from us what do we know about the fact that he said those who the son is set free are free indeed You do not work because of the curse. We'll make sense of this right now. All right? So don't drift off. I'm going to explain it bit by bit. If you're going to drift off, you're going to make your own conclusions. You can make your own conclusions, but just give me five minutes. Work is firstly given as a blessing. Then there was a curse on that blessing. It became a curse. Jesus came to redeem So now we contend for it, as in everything else, to be what it's supposed to be again, a blessing and not a curse. We are working in this world, and this world is under the curse. So work might feel like a curse. The way your company is structured, the way things operate might feel like a curse, because it is under a curse. But you are a special agent of God that should redeem the ways of God in that place. You should trust God that, A, you say, I do not submit to the curse, but I, I accept the blessing and I'll find what He has told me. I'll find, as Jeremiah 6, verse 16 to 17 says, the ancient paths. It speaks about, you must, we'll find the ancient paths of peace. There are ancient paths. Ways of God that leads leads to peace we must pursue and find even in the midst of chaos in the work environment and that's part of us receiving it as a blessing and not submitting to it as a curse now for some of you that's relevant to some others your work does not feel like a curse you love your work and we'll speak about that as well but that's very important to say that that you renounce that Renounce the fact that it's a curse and accept the fact that it was supposed to be a blessing from the beginning. But it will be tough because you're in an environment that's under it. I remember at my work, um, way back, I worked as a consultant where all my 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 colleagues were had to work 10 to 12 hours to be able to bill eight hours consistently. But the Lord, through many different ways, just after a few years, He gave me a way to work six to eight hours and pull eight hours. Because I had other people that could help in and this and that. And we could. He gave me a way in which I could work that made me more efficient. But the, you, you can almost see some people just do not want the blessing. They just... They just put themselves under the curse, and they feel great about the fact that they're not working so hard, and they're slaving for this. And they, are yeah, we've put in the hard yards again this this month. Um, it's it's a great sense of self-justification in that. It's just not helpful. Yes, we do celebrate hard work, but there's a there's a a thing there that, yeah, we. We add in because we feel when we have accomplished, when we have done well, and that's to be celebrated. And what you get celebrated gets propagated, and so you'll, work up, you'll end up working 16 hours a day because you have to, because you're in the system. I want to ex- explain to you, ex- uh, declare to you, you're not in the system. You're from a different world. You're an agent in the system. You should be doing a lot, a lot better in the system in a way different way than the system. So that it can see and be a blessing there and be blessed in it. Content for that. This is not easy. But it is to be content for. Alright, so what kind of work would God be into? Because I mean some work He obviously wouldn't be into. You can think of a couple of things that God probably wouldn't be into. But for most of us, most of you guys, you still have that sense that that guy in full-time ministry is now walking out, his calling. But I'm still trying to figure it out as an accountant. And a lot of it is because we we have said it over and over again that, yeah, your work as an accountant is just as important as the this work i understand that i don't feel that a lot of people are speaking you you don't feel that you don't feel it is you don't write those those numbers balance those what, what are the things you guys balance you don't balance them and say kingdom come and you should rightly viewed okay what kind of work are we talking about? Now, I couldn't, I thought I would Google this way back. I did this two years ago. I thought I would look at, at what kind of work has, has God been engaging in throughout history, throughout the history of the Bible, and what might one label that uh, today, just to see what kind of work he's into. So then I couldn't find anyone else that's ever done a study like this, but it was a lot of hard work. Um, most things you can find easily just on Google, but this wasn't that easy. Civil engineering, Psalm 104. Earth moving, Genesis 1. Structural engineering, Exodus 26. Conservationist, Genesis 8. A fisherman, Luke 5. A carpenter, Mark 6. A soil scientist, also Psalm 104. A physician, Luke 24. An architect, exodus 26 a landscape architect genesis 1 a designer exodus 28 a naval designer genesis 6 it took me long to figure out why you call someone that designs uh ships but that's called a naval designer it seems industrial design all those artifacts in the temple exodus 25 a winemaker was <laughs> short-lived but i mean he was a one in wonder in that sense um one day in heaven, we're going to have some of that. It would be, be well-aged by then. Um, <laughs> Alice says that would be the first wine that Jesse will drink. Um, maybe not the first, but the next. Advocate, John 14. A judge, Isaiah 33. Financial advisor, Luke 12, Matthew 6. He said a lot of things on finances. A theologian absolutely a life coach his way of questioning people a lot of the questioning techniques we we use in life coaching he's one of the um, or the founders of that way of doing stuff asking questions that you don't have answers to, to help you to, to help you think you know Einstein said if you give me an hour to solve the problem I'll f- spend the first 55 minutes trying to find the right the right question and then five minutes to try and answer it Jesus started that. He was a brilliant life coach. He was a mediator. He worked in security. Do you remember? Israelites in the desert. i a teacher, a counselor, and I was very glad to find that he also is a pastor. The work of God, what is the work of God? At some stage, the work of God was to build artifacts. The first man ever to be filled with the Spirit of God was the man that was supposed to to make the designs God, God gave for His temple. That was the first man to be filled with the Spirit of God to do that kind of a work. All these kind of things at different times in history has been the work of God. Do not limit Him. Do not limit Him, but seek Him so that you will know and what I'm doing right now is the work of God. Because even Noah building that ark, which was the work of God, what was the work of God right there? Not to preach, not to evangelize. For him, it was to build that ark. Be obedient to building the ark. Now, if you start building a lot of boats and you call it like Noah's like Noah's ark business, it's not going to be like it's not going to be biblical because you use a scripture and say we build we build boats for jesus he doesn't need them he walks on water but if you found it through the leading of the holy spirit and his word and and you've got the story of how he birthed in you a thing to build to build to build boats and you know why then it would be then it would be amazing like noah found it are you with me So that's a little introduction on it. Um, we should reflect his image. Beautiful image. There's a lot of peace and joy only in that, in who he is. Fullness of peace and fullness of joy is in him, but he's always working. Can we reconcile that? Can we contend in our hearts that we will reconcile that? It will take some contending in this world, but you can smile in the hope that you can achieve such a way of living with him. To reflect his image, to receive it as a blessing, and because you've seen that he's very good at a lot of different stuff other than preaching and pastoring, to do it with him. One of the most beautiful taglines, I don't know where I heard it from first, but I've heard it a lot and I've used it a lot, but is that we do not work, primarily we work with God before we work for God. Because He fulfilled the law. So you, you have no need to work for Him to accomplish anything, but with Him to accomplish what He's busy doing. It's a relational thing. He knows how, how to balance those things that accountants balance. He knows. A lot of you guys have got testimonies about that. To reflect His image. To receive the blessing and to commune with Him. That's what I would say is a primary, the primary purpose, if I look at Scripture, is that He actually wants to bless us with that, that we'd walk in His image, that we'd be with Him like Adam was with a secondary purpose of work is what we do and the impact of what we do. Now, often we get stuck in that environment because we like doing stuff. We, we we like being human doings more than human beings. And even though we would say stuff like that, we still don't always feel that we are being guided by who we are, but we just want to know what should we do. What should I do, God? We'll speak about that uh it's within that model that i'll present to you um next week i'll quickly speak about it this week and next week we'll explore it more but why why even that question is definitely not sufficient but so p- primary purpose to reflect his image that means to glorify him and to be who you should be to receive the blessing from work and to do it with him then i want to call it secondary purpose but these are the things that you could ask God for in work. How how can I work so that I can? Um, how, how is the purpose of my work defined by these five areas? Number one is the work itself. Now, this is a great struggle for a lot of you because a lot most most people I've asked would say when they speak about the work, about your work and about kingdom, you start speaking about the people at work because it's the easiest cop-out just to start speaking about the people at work and saying, yeah, no, I feel called because there are people there. That's beautiful. But that's not what you're doing the whole day. As a consultant, I couldn't just go around like telling everybody about Jesus because I'd get fired because it would be I'm not paid. The client doesn't, doesn't pay me for that. I need to find other ways to do that. That would be wrong to do that in, that in that instance. In the work itself, in balancing, you need to wrestle with God to find what is it that's in the work that I'm doing that is redemptive. What is, what is it that's within the work that I'm doing that's adding to the fact that you want this world to be restored to its original created intention. What is your plan to use what I do in that way? And remember you don't primarily you, you don't decide what you want to do first of all and then most a lot of people like to find what they want to do and then add a cool tagline to that to say how that's purposeful as well. The world does the same thing. Okay? E- e- Elon Musk does the same thing. So you do what you want to do, and then you say it's also amazing for everybody else, or there's some good in it somehow. Not all work, but I mean, we associate a lot with that, but that's also a worldly outlook. The Christian outlook is how did Jesus lead you to what you're doing? And then you ask and understand exactly the the what is in this. The world was created. There was the fall. Um, then there was a process of restoration and then jesus came and he redeemed the world and now he wants to redeem everything bit by bit back to its created intention so that at the end in the revelation it says all the kings of the earth will will come into heaven and they will bring their glory into it but no unclean thing will enter into it there's a lot of glory in the kings of the earth that must come into heaven one day that will be created by us that will that, the, that God would have redeemed through us, that will enter into the gates of heaven, but no unclean thing will enter. So explore, and that sounds like such a lofty way to speak about you, like rafting out numbers or designs. But that's the way you should start looking at it, because that is what it is. Somehow we look at someone like Reinhard Bonke and think, wow, that's amazing, He's, he had a calling. I just, I just program. Heavenly eyes that sees what you see, that get excited to know what you need to do. Reinhard Bonnke, when he started, he was a preacher in Lesotho on the street corners for two, three people for years. Nothing happened. He was just there. A bit of a, like a washout evangelist. But he was just obedient to God, and then it happened. But it's not up to him to be amazing. God just positioned him like that. So some of you might not even know who he is. But are you willing to play that small, that small part? Because that's what he's asking of you. If he wants to make it big, let him. But you don't go there. You're just asking what you must do. It's a big thing for me. Because I, I always said I'm not going. To, I'm, I'm not going to the grave without you know, changing the world. To crucify that thing, and it's hard. It's one of the things I don't want to. I don't want to give to God because I want. I want to be able to say that I did something amazing. We need to crucify that thing. It's so much about us. And then we get saved, and we just indemnify it, saying, I'm going to do great things for Jesus. I am going to do great things for Jesus." Not Jesus has done great things for us. Even G- Jesus Himself showed us how He, how He came and humbled Himself and became nothing. Are you with me? So the work itself. We've got amazing examples. Quirbes mentioned that that He knows and. Uh, lo- a lot of others of you, I know you know that what you do has got purpose and it's birthed by God. That's what you must be after. And not only the entrepreneur and the missionary and the person that all, all of us wrestle God for that. Next, yes, evangelism. Absolutely, evangelism. Partnering with God for the people at work. I know guys like Andre and Matthew are in. They're, in, they're engaged in that. They, they know where the people are. They pray for them. They, 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 they talk with them. They see where God can open a door for more conversation. We must do it. It's part of our work to, to share the good news. But I, almost, I almost want to make less of it because I see us running only to that when we speak about purpose at work. There is more to that that's going to um, bless us a lot if we start walking into it. Discipleship, absolutely. So, w- whenever someone unsaved or saved would be interested in just walking with you and spending a lot of time with you and just being around you, take all of the opportunity and spend time with them. Invite them in. So invite them into your life. Walk with people. Be with people. Impart in into their lives. Um, prophetic purpose. What is what is what is God up to? in your industry what is you up to in your company what is you up to in the nation what are you working for so I was working in the wine industry previously agriculture and wine I saw a cheap wine industry that's ruining a lot of people's lives and I saw a lot of people making a lot of money out of it and being very boastful about that I hated that and I prayed against it and a lot of stuff, a lot of amazing things have happened. You kind of feel like a secret agent that's always working working against it. I've almost lost one of my, one of the very, one of our our biggest clients because I couldn't keep quiet in a meeting where they were actually bragging about making money out of it. What is the purpose in your industry, in the company? What are you contending for? Yes, I worked with companies that sold cheap wine to people who were dependent on it. But I had to work in those companies. That was part of of the, of of the call to be there. Are you with me? What is the prophetic purpose? And then lastly, absolutely, to sow finances. There's a clear call from Scripture that we should provide for the church, for the needy, for... Mission um, work—it's not your own money. Your salary is not your own. It's not 10% the Lord's, 90% yours. 100% is His. His word and His voice decides how that used, how that gets used. You have to get free from money so that God can actually trust you with it. The beautiful thing with this, and I sometimes—I often come to this place where. At some point in your life, you were, really, you were really generous and you actually gave a lot, but then somehow you, there wasn't giving opportunity or you didn't give for a while, and you started to become all the more like this, all the more like this, all the more like this. And then someday you feel there's a great need, but you just almost hope that someone w- would, would give. And then you realize, oh, I, I'm in trouble. I need to let go of this and when you do it's like a river that opens up and there's blessings financial and otherwise it's it's like you it's like you're standing on the side of of a river and then when you just jump in then it just starts to flow you know because the kingdom and the kingdom finances is never a problem that's why god says just seek the kingdom that's your job i'll provide Husbands who say, no, 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 I work to provide. If we primarily work to provide, we're working under the curse. We primarily work to glorify God, and whatever He wants us to do and makes us do, He will provide, whether that's a high-earning job or not earning anything. He will provide if we seek His kingdom first. So husbands, providing for your family doesn't mean making enough money. It means following Jesus diligently. Are you with me? You do not say, oh, I cannot follow Jesus radically and diligently because I have a family. That's contradictory. Because Jesus wants me to look after my family while I can't follow him radically. What? The same Jesus? Would he not? Would, he, would, would your following of him um, not lead to green? pastures? Would, would goodness and mercy not follow you all the days of your life? Will, will, will he not set a table and prepare a table in the presence of your enemies? Will he not? Will he not provide for you, Matthew six thirty three more than what you can, more than what you need and would he not? I remember the one time um, I got an inspiration when I was phoned by a call center agent about something insurance, Product. Um, I had time, and I answered. And she, <laughs> he or she said, "Yeah, sir. What would happen if you know you would be in this, this scenario or that scenario? Have you ever thought about it? Blah blah blah." And then I got the inspiration to just let them know. The following, I said, "If if if I would, if do you know who is Bill Gates? I actually used you on uh, Rupert, but." Some of you might not know, so let's just use Bill Gates. Now that's also old news now. He's not the richest anymore. It's, um Elon Musk. And the chances are less people would know Elon Musk's children, but the chances are that I might not I might be too old for that. But anyway. So I'm let's say I said Elon Musk. Hey, do you know who Elon Musk is? So he says yes. I said, okay. So do you think if I if 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 he was my father, and he had all that money, and he told me, look after me. Do you think I would need your product? I said, no, of course you wouldn't need it. So I said, do you know what? My father's richer than Elon Musk. Um, it was the quickest I ever got off the phone with him. They just said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. Goodbye. Your father is richer than Elon Musk. I don't know if you knew that. And he promised that he'd look after you. Let us follow Jesus radically. I can tell you testimonies for days. But as the worship band comes up, we're going to just worship for the last... I did not go out... Oh, wow, that sounds amazing. How long has it been dead for? (laughs) I did not start out using this model to decide. So, you don't have to use this model. I think it's rather helpful. And we will explore it more. But if you just seek Him as hard as you can in everything, if you follow hard after Him, and... To some degrees I have, and to others I haven't. But this is what I found. These are the things that he has led me to. He has, he has, he has told me who I am. And where every time I ask him, what should I do, then he starts to speak about things that have got nothing to do with what I should do, but about how much he loves me and what he's blah, 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 blah. And then I'm like, but that's got nothing to do with what I should do. I just wanted to know what I should do. And he said, but that's not the, not, the, not the point. You'll never... Get to it. Before you understand that I'm your father and I love you. And I've got all these beautiful things to say over you. He writes poems over you. I've got little poems that I believe the Holy Spirit gave me that he spoke over me. Because I know who I am. Not all of it, but he reveals it. If you know who you are, and then you ask him, and he will lead you. And it's linked. Of course it's linked you are a rugby player, you will play rugby. So it's linked. What are you called to do? And then in season, where am I called to be now? In that. How do I find this? His voice, his word, and his body. The three ways in which he speaks to us. His voice, I might add, there are various ways in which we hear and experience him, of course. But his voice, his word, and his body... Or the Spirit and the Bible and the Church, if you want to use other myth, um, other words, those are the things that confirm each other and speak to us about this. And if we get answers to this, and as we journey with Him, then um, we'll find it. So, Pastor Ross will explore a lot about this and tells you how he does this practically it's awesome so be here on wednesday um and next week we're going to work more on this on this model and try to facilitate some of that for this week for right now i want you to while we worship to spend time with god if you need prayer you can come to the front we'll be here but i want you to spend time with him you can sing or you can lie on the floor or whatever you want to do But I want you to thank God that He broke the curse of work and that it is a blessing. Receive it as a blessing. Maybe it isn't a blessing in its current form. I want to say that. But if you start to reject it and receive it, you're going to start walking with Him and He'll lead you in paths of peace. Okay? So, reject the curse receive the blessing and declare god i want to walk with you for your kingdom i want to walk with you for your kingdom reject the curse receive the blessing because i want to do it with you okay that's what i want you to respond to right now if there's anything else that the holy spirit is really pressing on your heart and um while we're going to just worship and Hours before I want you to respond to him. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you also um, teach us about work. And I pray, Father, that as we start exploring this, Lord, that it would add to us being a prophetic community that obeys you ways that looks different than this world while we are in it I pray that you'd revive in our hearts what it means to work I thank you that we can receive this as a blessing and reject that Genesis 3 curse and I pray Father that we know that you are so much better at what we do than what we are that you'd walk with us as we work And that he would align that work to your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Let's all just spend time with him. And then I'll close close the service with prayer.